Welcome to The Lowdown, KMXT's new daily show dedicated to giving you the up-to-date information we have available on the COVID-19 outbreak and how it's impacting life on Kodiak Island. The Lowdown will focus on the facts as provided to us by local and state officials. During the show, we give you access to local officials and experts on COVID-19 and community actions related to it. If you have questions for our guests, please email them to lowdown at kmxt.org or call KMXT at 486-3181. You can find a list of upcoming guests on our Facebook page or on our website, kmxt.org. Audio from each day's program will be posted on the website. To the sad, sad truth, the dirty lowdown. Another day of the Dirty Lowdown. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for tuning in this morning. Mike Wall in the studio this morning with uh, Major Dave from the Salvation Army, Rebecca Shields from the Kodiak Women's Resource and Crisis Center. We'll begin with the uh, latest from the Kodiak Emergency Services Councils. There is a live forum tonight. Kodiak Emergency Services Council will be holding a live forum tonight beginning at 6 o'clock. It will be broadcast on the the live stream available from the borough's uh, school district's website, www.kibsd.org. Information directing community members to that website will be posted on the borough website as well, kodiakak.us. It'll be live stream broadcast available on the Kodiak Emergency Operations Facebook page as well. And we'll be broadcasting it here over KMXT 100.1 FM. They'll also be doing it on KRXX 101.1 FM and KVOK 98.7 FM. For any questions, contact the Joint Information Center, 486-8970. Welcome, folks. Thank you for taking time out of what's probably a really busy time in your lives right now. Um, is it inordinately busy? Is there, Are you busier now than you have been as normal business, or uh, are things about the same? In some respects, we are more busy. Uh, in other respects, because we're all also practicing hunkering down, you know, it, it's definitely it's a different routine, a daily routine than what we are used to. But as far as our jobs, they've, um, they're all still here. We're all working it, and uh, it's a, just a little more complicated. Mm. Major Dave? Uh, if I could just say this right off the top, don't be afraid. We have excellent men and women who are in charge of our emergency disaster. Uh, they live here. They care about you. They care about the whole island. So don't be afraid. Uh, for me, our thrift store is closed, uh, but our housing, we're still housing people. We're still doing food bank. Um, food banks open on Tuesdays and Fridays from 3 o'clock in the afternoon to 5 o'clock. It's all volunteers, so be patient, be kind. They're doing their very best to to make sure you get what you could, what you need. So, uh, in some ways, I'm busier because I'm I'm kind of spare parts. I just do a lot of odd things, uh, but I'm still busy. So, I'm still preaching and teaching. I'm still doing my ministry. We're still. Uh, uh, I have a, several opportunities as chaplain. So those are still still in place, still happening. Uh, we just have to do different, do it things differently. Be more yeah. creative. Uh, uh, well, let's well, let's go back and start from the beginning because there are probably people who um, are tuned in right now that 
never tune in or they maybe don't have a lot of uh, they haven't had a, a lot of experience with you folks so f- for those people and for people who kind of casually may know you what is it exactly that you do Rebecca and what what kind of mission does your organization have all right uh So I am the executive director of the Kodiak Women's Resource and Crisis Center. And uh, the Crisis Center, the Resource and Crisis Center, is a 25-bed shelter for victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. Uh, The agency itself provides direct services for those that are experiencing domestic violence and or sexual assault. We also um, provide outreach education and prevention work in the community, as well as close collaborations with first responders uh, and just collaborative work, both trying to um, respond to domestic violence as well as prevent it. Now, you've been around in the community since uh, since I can recall. I mean, it must have started in the 70s or 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the organization first organized back in the, the late 70s. Uh, our shelter opened in 1985 as a 10-bed shelter, and we have since grown. So to we, 25. We are now a 25-bed shelter. Yeah. And in the normal course of you provide services then for families uh, and for individuals, right? Right. We we provide both um, residential services for those that are needing shelter uh, for direct safety, uh, and we also provide non-residential services for folks that just need um, to do some safety planning, legal advocacy work, uh, just need support and help. Uh, in in their daily lives, so we we offer on a num- uh, help on a number of different levels and intersect with the community on a number of different levels. So I'm assuming because the demand was so high, you went from ten to twenty five at some time. Yes. And is there are you at capacity, or do you usually run with twenty five beds with a waiting list? Well, we were we were at and past capacity before we we got our twenty five beds, oh. which is why we needed the the extra beds. Now we, um, normally speaking, we run. Oh gosh, we usually serve about twelve to fifteen uh, on average. Right now, we are unusually. Uh, low numbers in the shelter, but that's very unusual, and I see that could change at any time. Right. Good. How how many people are on your staff? We have about fifteen people on staff total. Uh, we have advocates. We have our outreach education providers. We've got uh, caseworkers, our community collaborators, uh, and then our myself and our administrative assistant. So where does your funding come from? We are, our primary funders uh, is a state-wide funding from state government, the Council on Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault, which is a combination of general funds from the state as well as uh, pass-through funds from federal 
uh, government. We have uh, uh, also support here in our Kodiak community through the city and through the borough uh, and a couple of other pass-through grants and then community support. Okay. So, so before this happened, were, were you sufficiently funded to be able to do what you do? I think that we... Um, we're comfortable at, in right now. Um, funding is always a concern, I think, for any nonprofit agency because it is always so iffy and it is, um, you know, just day by day. Yeah. So uh, we have become very good at making do with what we have and in um, expand, you know, doing expanding our services through the people power of of those that are working with us and our volunteers. So we do a lot with very little, and we try to be frugal. So we're always concerned, I guess, is the best way to put it. So the clientele, um, do you have average numbers that you can give us for how many people in the community you deal with on a yearly basis? Normally, uh, on a yearly basis, we will serve, let's see, about 600 people. So um, we usually have an average per month of of a client list of about 50 to 58 people. Great. Major Dave, you've been here, (coughs) excuse me, just a regular cold. Um, <laughs> you've been here a couple of times. You made a return to Kodiak, and uh, the Salvation has been part of our community for a long time. I think uh, Envoys Craig and Jeannie Fanning started our core here in Kodiak. Uh, I think they came in 1992 and then opened the core at what used to be the Beachcombers uh, in '93. So. Uh, uh, Legs Legrew, I think he moved downtown yeah. and sold us the uh, the property there at the beach. So, um, my wife and I are ordained ministers uh, for the Salvation Army. So the Salvation Army is a church. Uh, mostly, what we have here in Kodiak is what I consider the core and community center. So we have the church programs, we have the thrift store program, we have the housing and the food bank. Uh, we do a lot of um, outreach to our seniors. Uh, so, is this different than it is in other communities? I mean, normally when I associate, you know, the name Salvation Army is the bell ringers at Christmas time. I mean, you have a church, which I'm not sure is is that a, a normal in most communities. The Salvation Army is a church. It Every, is everything we do f- comes that we do for the community is because we're a church. That's our outreach. So uh, whether it's the chaplaincies for the hospital, the police, fire, Alaska State Defense Force, I'm a, also an Alaska State chaplain, all those is because I'm a minister of the Salvation Army Church. I see. And that's how I outreach. So the thrift store, is that? The thrift store is kind of our bread and butter. Uh, uh, if I don't get grants from other resources the thrift store is my only income it's your driving income so the bell ringers are one big 
uh, fundraiser. That's how, that's how we raise funds. Uh, there's mail appeal, but uh, people get so inundated with mail appeal, uh, especially now when things have changed the way they do things. So the bell ring is kind of our direct contact here in Kodiak. We don't get outside money. Whatever we raise, we raise here in Kodiak that supports what we do for Kodiak. We don't we don't get that stuff. Uh, um, we'll get like a grant from Matson. Uh, we'll get those kind of grants occasionally, but yeah. that, that's not our. That's not what runs us. Uh, the money that we're given here in Kodiak is what we live on. That's, okay. So, in addition to the thrift store, the church, the housing, what, when, how did you get into housing? Uh, back uh, when I was here before, we had Safe Harbor was a fourteen bed on island rehab. Well, there was no place for them to go after their 30 days, and uh, they would go right back into wherever they came from, so the recidivism was very high. So I worked on getting this transitional housing. It took me about five years to get it, to build it, and then to open it up. So now we've lost the rehab, but we have the housing. So what we try to do is collaborate with all the other professionals here on the island, uh, Providence Counseling, Canna, they, they all have resources. They all have um, case managers. They have professional staff. So what we do is house them, feed them, let them use the laundry. Uh, we got all the basics, but you have to tap into uh, the, these professionals so they can help you get on your feet, become self-sufficient. And that's hard to do if you're living under the bridge or sleeping in your so car. So you're the bridge between homelessness and transitioning into long-term li- uh, regular living environment, right? Right. There's there's a key difference between uh, Brother Francis. They they do direct contact with the homeless. Yep. And not everybody that's uh, on the streets wants to come into the Salvation Army housing because there's rules. And there's a program. There's expectations. So... Uh, so you're a continuation of a drug or alcohol rehab program? Well, it didn't. Ha- a lot of ours are drug and alcohol issues, but uh, anybody can come. Uh, you have domestic violence. You lost your job. You lost your house. You lost your car. There's all kinds of reasons that you would need housing. It's not just drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the ones that seem to get the most attention, but there's all kinds of reasons to be without housing. Okay. So how many... What's the capacity of the housing that you have to offer? On the men's side, we have 10 beds, and on the women's, we have seven. So I think right now we have four women and seven men, I think. Okay. And now the big one is the food bank. You've taken over the food bank this past year. Uh, the mission was really good. They they gave us the uh, their coolers, reach-in coolers, Sea uh, shares gave us a reach-in freezer. We had some freezers from our little food bank that we had. So uh, the mission gave us um, a box truck and a van, and then uh, they let us use one of their employees for two months, I think. So now we are the only food bank on the island. So. Now, okay, it seems to me like you're you're doing things with not many people. I mean, right? I mean, you do, do you have a staff? I have Wonder Woman. You do? Uh, my wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
we got an agreement. She does all the work. I do all the fun stuff. <laughs> You're in here talking, and she's out working. <laughs> that's Is that right, right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, why did you jump into that? I mean, it seems like if if your primary function is is mission related, you go into a thrift store. That makes sense to me because you want to provide for people in the community. That sort of uh, relates to what the national mission might be, and it helps fund your operations. But why would you jump into housing and then jump into the food bank too? Well, we didn't jump into the food bank. We were the only food bank for many years. When the Fannings opened the Salvation Army in the ni- early 90s, they started it with a food bank up on uh, where Diamond Jim's little bar used to oh, be. Oh, yeah. They uh, had a little gray shed up there, and they would get local produce and food uh, donations, and then we would. they started with a food bank. So when did it go away? Uh, when I was here before, uh, the commodities, government, there's a lot of issues that, and they were giving us more paperwork and charging us to bring food to the island. But we were getting food from uh, Safeway, Walmart, Owls, and uh, the Coast Guard base commissary. So why would we pay uh, to bring food to the island? So I stepped away from the the government part of the commodities and uh, the, the mission picked that up. Okay. Uh, Trevor was really good at organizing, and so he got all kinds of grants, and he did a wonderful job with that. Uh, I just didn't have the the manpower to do what the government was asking us to do. There's a lot of paperwork. I don't have extra office. I just have my wife. Yeah. So when the mission decided to to step away from it, you decided somebody had to do it? I didn't decide that. Food, oh. food, yeah. Food, food bank of Alaska called and asked. Asked us. We, we didn't volunteer. We didn't volunteer to take on what we walked away from. No, that's not how that went. <laughs> but you're happily doing it. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, yeah, yes, it's a great privilege. <laughs> I'm gonna record that. That answer. <laughs> So, how many people do you? Uh, how many people go through that thrift store on a regular basis? You know, I, I have no way of knowing that. Um, Saturdays like our best day because uh, everybody's kind of free to to move around from their jobs and stuff. Uh, uh, you know, I don't really know how to. A lot of people come in just to walk around and shop and burn up some time. For yep. their, their lunch or their break or in between meetings, just a it's really just kind of a coffee shop without coffee. You know, they just come around, mill around, yeah, and they'll maybe buy something. Uh, uh, the thrift store is kind of our bread and butter to make sure that we have basics. You know, uh, keep our vehicles going and. Uh, so do you own the buildings? Yeah, the the Salvation Army owns everything. They don't they don't rent or nothing okay. like that. Uh the only thing that we rent is st- uh like storage from Dan uh Roars. Yes, uh right. Cuz we don't have any storage space on the island so we rent containers. Gotcha. How many people are are come in on a regular basis and make use of the food bank? 
Um, with the transition, it's, I haven't got, got those numbers nailed down because a lot of people still don't know that we're the food bank now. So, and we've lost a lot of people from the island. So our numbers went. We used to do every Friday at the Salvation Army. And now we just do it two days a week. So it throws everything off a little bit. So I'm guessing um, 40 families is kind of a, was kind of the norm. And now uh, with all this upset, our numbers are kind of down. I think folks are, because of the hunker down part. Yeah. And, um, uh, so our numbers for people coming in and sitting in the food bank are, I, I think there was like 20 this Past week? Yesterday. Yesterday was Tuesday, right? Yeah. So I think there was like 20 families coming in. That's that's half of what we would normally okay. do. Okay. We can go into that in a minute, the, the, the number that you gave me. But um, you don't have a staff, or you do have you – have, you do have a small staff, right? Well, when we uh, uh, expanded our food bank, the mission uh, let us use one of their employees for a couple months. But two of their um, – Food bank volunteers came and stayed and come every both days to help distribute. Uh, I, my the only paid staff I have is at my thrift store. I have a full time manager and then I have two part time clerks. Everything else is done by volunteers. Uh, they call us the Salvation Army, but we're really an army of volunteers. Right. Um, it's either that or my wife. Yeah. <laughs> So how are you for funding? Uh, <clears throat> some days are trickier than others. Yeah. Uh, this this year, the Kodiak's been very generous, very supportive, and helping us get the food bank uh, established. Uh, uh, very supportive during our uh, Christmas campaign for toys for the children and uh, bell ringing. Very generous all, all the way around. Our local merchants, they, they've all been very supportive very uh, with the angel trees and uh, allowing us to put the kettles stands out uh, in, in so many ways. Uh, everybody's just been very supportive. So the, the food bank's run by volunteers. You have a couple of people that are paid to run the thrift store. Is there, is there housing? Are there staff involved in, in keeping up the transitional housing? Is there? That's my no? wife. That's your wife. She works a lot. She works a lot. Okay. Rebecca, let's, uh, let's talk about what's happening now. I mean, um, is, is your organization changed? Um, you have a plan in place and, you know, already for an emergency? I mean, we are living on an island and you know, we all know that there's disaster preparedness stuff, but this is a different kind of a beast. So how has it affected you folks? So uh, it's affected us quite a bit. We are still providing all of our core services, so we're doing everything that we normally do, but we're having to do it with a lot more thought. Uh, so we have our our residential services uh, and we are trying to uh, really create a safe parameter. How do you do that in a space? I mean, you're 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 in a house, right? Right, right, and, and not that large of a building. Right. So, uh, right now, since we are are 
lucky enough, if you will, that we uh, don't have as many clients as we normally do. Um, we're able to do a lot of social spacing. So we have our clients that are living at the, the shelter are spaced in, in different sides of the shelter. Uh, currently, our clients um, are not sharing rooms. As much as our resources are, are going to permit us, we're going to continue with that, of course, if we... If we well, how is it busy. set up? Is it is it set up with individual apartment-type rooms, and then there's common areas? No, it's, it's all common area living. So uh, we have two parts of the shelter. We have a, an upstairs part of the shelter that is designed for uh, women that do not have children. And then we have our, our lower level shelter that is designed for women with children and also um, for those that have disabilities because it's all on the main floor. Yeah. So we have a common kitchen, common living room area. Uh, the bedrooms are normally shared space. We try to keep uh, families in in a room together. Um, so currently, we are giving everybody their own room, uh, and we are are screening um, when people come in to check to see if they have. Uh, fever, if they've been traveling, if there's a cough, or you know, where, what is their health at this point? Uh, we have an office that is set to the side where um, provides social distancing, um, so that we can screen people that come into the shelter, and we can e- even provide counseling services and advocacy services uh, in a safe environment that is not actually in the main shelter itself to to keep people uh, safe and at a distance that are coming in from the outside. Um, so we can provide all of the same services that we normally do with a lot of these parameters intact. We're also asking the folks that are living at the shelter um, to maintain the hunker down so uh, they live in the shelter if they have necessary reasons, such as doctor appointments, uh, legal appointments, um, reasons to go outside. Um, we'll take them to the grocery store, things like this. Um, and then they come right back into shelter. But we're asking people not to socialize outside the shelter at this time <clears throat> so that we can keep assured that people are maintaining that social distance. So how has it affected your staff? Uh, our staff also, we, we are staggering, and, and and our direct service staff, we are are not running as many staff during a shift as we, we normally have and do. They also have the social distancing. Um, the staff has all agreed and is maintaining the hunker down status in their own private personal lives because we can't really, you know, Keep do the... it do it here and not do it at home. Right. So we're all um, uh, hunkering down outside of the shelter to to maintain that parameter as well. Um, a large part of my staff is working from home rather than working in the office now. How do they do that? So we are really using a lot of the video conferencing. All of our meetings now are over video conferencing, including our staff meetings, our board meetings, 
anything that we intersect with the community is done over the telephone or video conferencing. Uh, so we are trying to limit face-to-face -face exposure as much as we possibly can with people. How do you how do you how do you clean the facility? On a regular basis, um, we have folks uh, that are now um, sanitizing the facility. Um, of course, washing hands all the time. Uh, but part of their daily routine is going through and cleaning the shelter and keeping the the, the surfaces cleaned and sanitized and um, and maintained. So that's a big part of what the staff has been doing inside the shelter now. So do you have everything that you need to hunker down for a couple of weeks, a month? We have... Um, we have been ordering and trying to get um, all that we need in stock. I think right now we are doing okay. Um, and the community has certainly been wonderful and supportive in that. Um, just had a call the other day from um, uh, some folks that have offered to make us a mass so that we can have mass in the shelter so that we could wear advocates could wear masks and as well as clients could well wear masks um, to protect that one more level so I think that the biggest gap right now or the thing that I am most concerned about is um, right now we're lucky enough that everyone uh, both staff and clients that we have are all healthy. So um, I don't expect that that's going to last. I think that um, people are going to come that are in need of services that are having symptoms. How do you deal with that? I mean, that's a huge issue, isn't it? That will be a very huge issue. Uh, so we can... I mean, again, we're providing all of the core services that we always do with social d distancing in place. But for someone who is in need of shelter um, that is exhibiting symptoms, we are currently working to find ways that we can provide that safely. We don't have the setup in our shelter to be able to do that in shelter without placing everybody at risk right. um, so we're in conversations with the city to see um, how we could do that and I think that that is just my overriding concern um, as a community um, with with our clients at KWRCC um, included but not limited to I think that that just the homeless population uh, in Kodiak is definitely the population that is uh, at such high risk well th this is statistically this is a time where incidents of domestic violence tend to increase right I mean doesn't that give you more cause for a concern I I am definitely concerned I, I think that um, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress that's happening in the community right now. 
Um, and that that can certainly exacerbate a, a, a bad situation, and it can um, place people in in danger, um, being um, isolated with an abusive person would not be a, a good situation to have. So in other words, you have to make an assessment if you're going to do a new new intake on somebody, whether this person or family is at an at-risk group for the rest of the people in your current environment now. And then if they are, what are we going to do with them? Um, and in general, that flows over into the rest of the population. Major Dave, you're, you're essentially closed, right, for intakes of these people that could go into your extra housing. Right. I have open beds, but I, I have to protect the folks that are already there so we're not taking in new clients. They just don't have a place to go. Well, uh, maybe this is a nice segue. I wanted to give a, a big tip of the hat to uh, Brother Francis Shelter and uh, Miss Barbara from St. James. Uh, Barbara's a deacon at St. James, so they collaborated uh, with the efforts to wash the clothes of the folks at the shelter. So um, through our community support program yep. that we developed, uh, the need came in for washing the clothes of the folks at the shelter. So the Armory volunteered their resource, their facilities. So Barbara transported, uh, she grabbed a host of volunteers. They gathered up the clothing from the shelter from uh, their individuals, took them up there, washed them, brought them out. There's a couple pretty involved a little thing uh, to have everybody's clothes washed and transported back and forth and keeping the social distancing all that. It was fairly tricky, but uh, Barbara and uh, Dana and Scotty, you know, the Brother Francis crew, they pulled that off together. That's a pretty good deal. Uh, that's pretty tricky all by itself. So I think tonight um, when the EOC has their meeting, they're going to give you more details about how helping uh, how they're helping uh, the homeless. The homeless, because uh, everybody's important, right? Everybody's important. So they're they're trying to make sure everybody's gets help. Well, this is a, a pretty trying time with people losing their jobs or with uh, not as much income coming in. There seems to be more of a demand for services now. Do we have the capacity and do we have ways that we can help? Uh, we have some really talented folks here on the island. They got great ideas. It's just trying to figure out how to implement them. And uh, there's always a priority factor, which which ones are more demanding or which ones are safest. So I, I have a great confidence in our emergency operations center. Those men and women care. And they know the island very well, our, our demographics. And uh, there's a great deal that they're considering and trying to balance. Uh, I have great confidence in them. Uh, they've given us a chance to start this program. It's called the Kodiak Community Support. It's basically from the non, uh, the faith community. So I can kind of give you a quick summary of the That'd be great. services provided. So... The, the title of this group is the Kodiak Support Team. It's available to service at-risk homebound residents. This is not Pizza Hut. Uh, this is not Domino Delivers. 
Yeah. This is uh, specifically for those uh, at-risk at-home residents who have been uh, quarantined or they're not able to get out. So uh, let me share that number with you. It's kind of the first number you need. It's one eight 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 four nine zero seven nine zero seven. So that's the first number that you call, and then you'll get a. Uh, uh, you'll either uh, be asking for uh, delivery or maybe to talk to somebody or uh, uh, we can do deliveries, we can do pickups. We could, You just need to call us and talk to a person so that you know. Uh, Bayside Fire Station has allowed us to set up a small phone bank out there in their training center. It's not activated yet because we don't have... Uh, we serve at the at the uh, the will of the EOC. When they say activate, then we'll put more phone lines in. This one eight 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 number is active now. No, exactly. Who's it for now? Somebody that at that's at home and can't get out of the home for some reason, and they need food, they need medicine, uh, essential stuff, and and then you have volunteers that are available to go out and do deliveries. Right. We have a. Uh, one of our key units is the Kodiak Community Baptist Church. They have a host of volunteers. Uh, Pastor Larry has set up a nice uh, uh, list of volunteers who are willing to do different uh, different items, uh, pick up, delivery, uh, diff- different things. So uh, this thing with the homeless washing the clothes and stuff, that was activated through this community support system. Now, so, does that have anything to do with the virus? I mean, is it does it – washing the clothes, is it just because people needed to have their clothes washed or are they – is this in preparation of – do you know what I mean? I I didn't I didn't actually talk to Dana or Barbara when they were asked for this request. I, I all I asked was, are we talking about transporting people or are we yeah. talking about transporting just their laundry? That that's the only questions I asked. I, okay. So, I I don't think it had anything to do with. Um, it just was good virus. timing. I think the shelter is just doing a cleaning, just just like everybody should be, and I think that was just part of that. Right. So the the collaboration with the uh, the armory, uh, this host of volunteers, it just makes everybody safer. Right. So it's ways that different elements of the community can come together to help at one uh, time with a time of need. Right. It's, it's just trying to uh, make the best of our. We have the resources. We just need to tap them, organize them, and distribute it. So uh, when we were tasked by the EOC to start this community support system. It's just a phone system to help us uh, communicate with everybody, make sure that everybody gets some kind of help. So is there a list on the other end where if somebody calls that number, then they can identify what the need is, and then they go out to another agency and say, okay, you're the people that, I mean, if somebody calls up, for instance, and and needs uh, mental health services, is that the number they would call? Well... You could you could use that number for that. Uh, we we have a host of like a phone tree, a host of volunteers who are willing to activate to do whatever that need is. But uh, there's some common sense needed. You know what I mean? Uh, if if you have 
mental health issues and you already have a that service, yeah. you, you should stay in touch with that service, not not jump the horse and go no, to <clears throat> For people in the community who want to get involved, that think that they have a skill or a, a set of services that could be of use to someone, um, how would they get on that list? Or would, would, are, would they accept people on that list? Okay, the the number is one eight 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 four nine. Zero seven nine zero seven, and when you get on there, tell them that you want to be an active member. Uh, you want to be a part of that list. So there's, I think there's about forty people on that phone tree already. I think I guess where I'm going to is we collectively try and get together and talk about community issues, and everybody has their own. And when the senior sitter, uh, when the mayor was in the other day talking about that, there's people that want to volunteer to help the seniors in the community. There's people right now that I know that want to help the Women's Resource and Crisis Center. There's people that want to help the Food Bank and the Salvation Army. How how do we put all that together to to, to make a list? Do they directly call each organization or... The one eight hundred, the one eight eight number that I'm giving is kind of the initial starting point. So you could tell them, you know, I want to donate, I want to volunteer. I, it's just a contact number. Yeah. And then um, the phone tree that they have is a is a bunch of volunteers in reserve, so they can activate that number. So if you wanted to volunteer, they would you would be a part of that phone tree. If you want to donate, you you tell them you want to donate. So. <clears throat> The, right now, personally, uh, with my experiences uh, in emergency disasters with the California fires, uh, uh, the earthquake in Haiti and uh, Katrina and Rita, this is my personal suggestion. Uh, trying to donate goods like uh, clothes and stuff like that, it, it kind of bogs down. Everybody has to sort that and, and store it. Yeah. So if you can donate cash, I know it sounds harsh, but cash is is the easiest but, thing to work with. Well, in your thrift store, you're closed. Right. Right. So you don't need that kind of support. Becky, I know that in, this is a constant request from the Women's Resource Center. We need toilet paper. We need this kind of stuff. We need food. Um, what do you need now? Much the same stuff. Um, our, we have a, a closed bank as well at the Women's Resource Center that is currently closed. So the one thing that we are asking um, for people to uh, temporarily stop donating to us is, is clothing because right now we, we can't use that. Uh, but everything else, um, money, always good. Uh, food, non-perishable food, um, medical supplies, cleaning supplies, uh, toilet paper, you know, that's the pot of gold right now for everybody. Um, Sanitizers. Sanitizers, all of these things. um, They all really come in handy, more handy than than normal right now. How does delivery happen, though? I mean, you're close to the public always anyway, right? I mean, you have door traffic, but you have to go through security, right? 
Well, the shelter. So now our services are, we have our direct services, which is the shelter, but we also have our community coordination services. So we have two buildings, and one building is not closed to to the public on a on a normal regular time. Right now, the second building is closed to the public because of the virus. Um, but you can still reach us on the telephone. We're all still working. All of our services are, are still working. We uh, are a resource center. So part of what our services is, is, is to also um, have our finger on the pulse of what everybody else's services are. Yeah. So, um, so call us, you know, with any questions and, and we can help direct in the right situation or to the right place. We also have um, workers that, you know, are willing to go out and, and take things to people or, or help people get where they need to go. I mean, so we have a lot of services other than just what the shelter does. And, but the shelter is a very specific service. Okay, we got about a minute left before we have to close the show. So I, I'm going to give you both an opportunity to um, tell people what you need and give them a message from your organization. For- uh, if you want to volunteer for this Kodiak Community Support, you can go online to KodiakCommunity.com and sign up as a volunteer. Uh, for our housing, we could use everything that Rebecca mentioned, uh, the toilet paper, the san- everything for community living. Uh, don't be afraid. Uh, listen to what the experts are telling you. Keep your distance. Keep clean. Don't be afraid. It just it doesn't do any good. We have some excellent men and women uh, looking after you. So do your part so we can do ours. Thanks. Rebecca? Uh, so from my point, um, I think that one of the, the strongest points of of working and living in in Kodiak, Alaska, is our um, talent for collaborations. And I am really hoping that we can rely on those now more than ever. I think that, again, my my largest concern is the homeless population. I think that while I, too, would counsel people not to be afraid, I also think that we, we need to be prepared and that this is a highly contagious um, problem, virus. And part of it is that people don't know that they have it. So we need to really act now to work together in answering what's going to happen with people that have the virus. Thank you. Thank you both for what you do in support of our community. And if anybody wants to Get in contact with both of them to offer your assistance. You got some good information today. Thank you. That'll do it for today from The Lowdown. Tune in tomorrow. This is KMXT Kodiak 100.1 FM. KMXT is in HD, and we are streaming live on the web at kmxt.org.